It's an honor to be able to uh, share with you on the day that we celebrate our nation's freedom. I love this nation, and I thank God for the men and women, amen, who bled and died to, to secure our freedom. It's not perfect. The perfect kingdom is yet to come. But I want to share with you that on this day of uh, freedom, um, it's all about the ministry of Jesus, really. He said, he said, I've come that you might be free. Whom the Son has made free is free indeed. You know, there are several areas in which we have already been experiencing freedom in Christ. We're freed, number one, from the penalty of sin. Thank God there's now, therefore, no condemnation to those that are in Christ. We've been even set free from the pleasure of sin. That's right. The transformation that is taking place in our lives. We're not what we once were. We're not yet what we want to be, but we're in process. Uh, and we're also free from the, from the power of sin. That mandatory principle of indwelling sin has been broken over us. We can now choose righteousness rather than sinfulness. Uh, but the ultimate freedom, could you imagine the fireworks that will take place when the ultimate freedom comes? Freedom from the very presence of sin. And that's a longing that God has put in our hearts as we are... On our, uh, on our way to an encounter with the living God. So just pray with me one more time. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word, and I pray that you would bless us, that you would encourage us, that you would bring us into the destiny for which you've called us. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's my, here's my question for you as we start. Who has a hold on you? Who is it that has a hold on you? If I could say it another word, who's got a hold on you? Um, as parents and grandparents in the room, I know that you'll be able to relate uh, to what I'm about to share with you because uh, our kids, our grandkids, you know, when, when, they're, when they're small, uh, they have a way of either saying something that's really adorable or doing something that's unforgettable. And, and even though years have passed, we bring them up and we remember them fondly, you know. Uh, for example, Kelly, my daughter Kelly, when she was just a toddler, she, she referred to a lady's handbag as a, as a pocketdoo. <laughs> a pocketdoo, isn't that cute? Ladies, I, I want to just from now on, whenever you see a nice handbag, just say, oh, what a lovely pocketdoo <laughs> you have. Uh, my son Anthony, uh, what, Anthony, are you here this morning? I, don't, I can't see you with the lights, but if you are, congratulations on your 25th wedding anniversary. God bless you guys. Today they got married 25 years ago today. And when Anthony was little, he, he, he renamed the hamburger the Hangaba. And I thought that was cute, right? My son Will, uh, who is our, our, our second son, uh, he uh, is now pastoring out in, in Chicago. But when he, he would look out the backyard and he would spot a stray cat. He would get all excited and he would yell, Bugata, Bugata, Bugata. That is a, a foreign language that I'm not familiar with. But anyway, <laughs> um, Kate, Kate's sitting right next to uh, that lovely lady right there. When, when Kate was just uh, probably around three years old, he looked out the backyard of our home and noticed an enormous amount of leaves that had fallen. It was the fall, right? And, and his, his take on this was to throw me under the bus and tell, and tell Grandma, Papa made a mess. 
I want to tell you, I have heard Papa made a mess so many times like, since then. But, and the reason why I, I bring this up is because, you know, sometimes out of the mouth of babes and infants, there's, there's a truth that can be uh, really uh, impressed upon. Uh, but I just, I just want to share with you that I, I mentioned these, these memories because one of them in particular speaks about our greatest need and our greatest blessing. The greatest need that we have happens to also be the greatest blessing that God has provided for us. Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're either watching the stream online or you're here in this room this morning, thank you so much for being here. Our staff has been praying that you would have an encounter today with the only one who could truly set you free, and that is Jesus Christ. So one more adorable thing that uh, one of my grandkids said, and that, that came from Ian. Uh, Ian, are you in the room? Did you say, hey? He's not in the room. All right. <laughs> but, but Ian, uh, he, he, would, he would hold his hands out and he would say, holdy me, Papa. Holdy me, Papa. And he was 17 at the time. <laughs> no, seriously. At 17, he could hold me, you know? <laughs> in his arms, but, but that is adorable. But with childlike faith, you and I could look to God and we could say to our Abba, Abba, holding me, holding me. It, it, is, it is incomprehensible, the, the precious blessing it is that we can be held by the everlasting arms of God. And we can say, holding me, Abba. What inexplicable peace. I want you to put that that, that thought on hold, holdy, for a moment, if you would, please. I have another question that I'd like to ask anyone in the room, and I won't embarrass you because I can't even see right now uh, between the darkness and my glasses are kind of dirty, so, so it's hard. But, but anyway, here's my question. Is there anyone here, I won't embarrass you, who is about to turn 40? Anyone here about to turn 40? Don't be embarrassed. Raise your hand. I can't see it anyway, so... So, listen, don't be surprised if somebody gives you a gag gift of the clapper for, for a, a birthday present. You know, remember the clapper? Clap on, clap off the clapper. I mean, who among us hasn't laughed when we saw that commercial? I'm in the park and I fell down and I can't get up. <laughs> one, of the, one of the sad things about reaching the golden years is the propensity, the susceptibility that older people are to falling. And uh, that just comes with the territory, I guess. Uh, don't laugh too loudly because your day may come. Um, it's a matter of balance. Or actually, it's a matter of the lack of balance. And uh, that sensory perception just kind of gets uh, confused. Back in April, I was tying something down in my rock garden. Um, and uh, I was just leaning, leaning over. And I just and head first into the, into the rocks. Now, I didn't get hurt, only my ego, but I was so glad that no one was there to laugh, to see me fall. In fact, I didn't even have the courage to tell my wife, so if you see her later today, don't tell her, all right? <laughs> okay. Falling is one of those things that happens, you know? So as important as physical balance is, so is spiritual balance. Uh, and, and the reason why I mention that is because there is a tension here. 
so that we would never lose our balance. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God lest anyone should brag. It's not about works, it's about this gift of of amazing grace. The fact of the matter is that we've contributed nothing to our salvation. Nothing. It is Jesus who, who saves us by grace through faith. And, 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 and it is Jesus is the one who, who saves us, right? And so think about this, that it is a gift. He also is able to hold us and to preserve us and to present this before his presence with exceeding joy. You know, the, the, the older we get in the Lord, that, that same susceptibility can take place. That is, that we kind of forget, you know, the, the, the pit from which we were rescued. We, we kind of forget because of the transformation that's taking place in our life, we, we can kind of think that we've contributed to that in, in some particular ways. Here's the definition of equilibrium. Equilibrium is a state of adjustment between opposing or divergent influences. So the influences is there of grace compared to that of works, right? But it's the Son of God who saves us and the Son of God who preserves us. So you ask the question, how is it then that I could lose my spiritual uh, equilibrium. Well, I already kind of alluded to it, and that is that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Pride goes before a what? A fall. And many times what, what kind of masquerades itself as faith is this thing called self-confidence. Rather than having complete confidence in Christ, the Apostle Paul says, we, we have no confidence in ourselves or in the flesh but we glory in the man, Christ Jesus. Self-confidence actually nullifies the grace of God. It cancels it out. And over the years, it's easy to forget that that transformation is, is totally and completely exclusively belonging to God. See, our strength comes from our position in Christ because we've been highly favored by God. And it's on the basis of his greatness, not ours, from the first moment that we believe to our final breath, our lives can be summed up with one great word, grace, grace. It's the grace of God. It's not my hold on Christ that's the source of my strength. Rather, it's his hold on me. The inspiration for this message comes from a song that we're going to do at the close of this service. I love this song. It's so great. I want to just share a couple of the lyrics with you. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. He will hold me fast. Isn't that beautiful? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. See, Jesus made a great investment in the lives for those for whom he died and, and perished. And his reward will, will be experienced. It will not be wasted. Sacrifice will not be wasted. See, here's the tension now, because Paul wrote this letter to the church of Galatia. And this is what he said to them. He said, he said, you have fallen from grace. Now that's often misused as a you know, uh, an indication maybe that some leader has fallen into immorality. That's not what fallen from grace is. 
fallen from grace is trying to establish your own righteousness by the works of the law. And Paul said to them that Christ is of none effect to you, whoever is justified by the works of the law. It's not about personal strength. And self-confidence masquerades itself as faith. Christ is of no benefit to anyone who tempts to, to add to Jesus. Je Jesus and my good behavior or my obedience. No, that's not the way it works. Let, let me kind of illustrate this so that there might be something that you can connect to that you might remember long after this message is over, that the da there's danger in this self-confidence. I think of the apostle Peter as falling into this imbalance of self-confidence, you know. Um, Jesus said to Peter, you will deny me three times before the, the morning light. In fact, on that night that Jesus was arrested, he said to all of the disciples, you're all going to forsake me. You're all going to deny me tonight. And, and Peter objected to what Jesus was saying. He said, no. He said, no, Lord. He said, they may, they may fail you. They may betray you, but not me. I'm ready to die for you. Self-confidence. Peter said, Jesus said rather this, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. In other words, the devil wants to press you with temptation like through a sieve. He wants to destroy your faith. But notice this, Jesus, I love that but, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you turn back to me, that's, that's confidence. That's coming from the from the Son of God, strengthen the others. What ultimately held Peter from completely falling away like a Judas was this idea of Jesus holding him, Jesus praying for him, Jesus praying that his faith would not fail. And that's the ultimate reason why Peter did not fall away and the ultimate reason why we will not fall away to put our trust in Christ is because he is faithful to keep that which we've committed to him against that day. See, those whom, whom God the Father has called into the kingdom of God, the Son of God loves. But I want you to know this, that Jesus didn't die to make the Father love us. Jesus died because the Father loved us. And the logic behind that is that if he died for us when we were his enemies, now much more that we belong to him shall we be saved by him. That, that our lives are held and hid with Christ in God. See, it's not what Jesus simply, and if I can say it that way, it almost sounds, sounds wrong. It's not just what he did for us then and there. Thank God for that. No, it's what Jesus is doing for us here and now, in this hour, interceding for us, standing in the gap for us so that we will not fall away and that our lives will be preserved. It's God who rescues us. And it will present us to himself. See, no matter how hard, no matter how dark, no matter how scary the days may be, he holds those who trust in his word. A contributing factor to Peter's uh, self-confidence uh, was, was, was his denial of the word of Jesus. You know, I want you to listen to this quote from uh, Sam Storms. It's a great quote. He says, the basis of our security and salvation is not our righteousness or obedience, but God's promise, God's power, God's purpose, and most of all, God's passionate love for us in Christ. 
God is committed to preserving us in faith. For if we were to stumble so as to fully and finally fall away, I love this, listen, God stands more to lose than we do. If you can get a hold of that truth, it will set you free. That those that come to Christ, he will in no wise cast aside, cast out. What mercy God's lavished upon us. What what kindness God has. But you know what? The, the ages to come, the Bible says that God the Father is willing to show us the amazing kindness that he has in store for those that love him. Although we deserve death and destruction, he has blessed us with life and hope and immortality. We were as dead as Lazarus, who was four day, days in the grave putrefying. That's what we were spiritually, but he quickened us and he's made us alive. The fact of the matter is, is that because Peter was restored and his ministry was restored is the proof that Jesus had a greater grip on Peter than Peter could ever have a grip on him. Unfortunately, Peter was slow to learn the lessons of the past. Let me ask you this. Are there lessons that God wants you to bring into the reality of today that you learned maybe some years ago? And to apply that, see, because I, I thoroughly believe that, that to remember what God has rescued us from in the past will help prepare us for what God will do for us in the present. See, Peter didn't learn this lesson. I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 14. Beginning at verse 25, it says this, about the third watch, which is 3 a.m. in the morning, Jesus came walking on the water. They were struggling all night to get to, from point A to point B because the wind was contrary to them. And so Jesus here comes to the rescue. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in fear. And they cried out, it's a ghost. Now, that, that shows us, number one, that they were fearful. But number two, they were also superstitious. But, but Jesus spoke to them and said, don't be afraid, it's me. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Peter often speaks without thinking. Is there anybody else here like that? Oh, yeah. My wife would say, yeah, that's, that's him. That's the guy. <laughs> oh. So, Lord, if it's really you. You know what? We, we, could, we could say, and I've heard, I've heard preachers say this, that, that at least Peter was one of the 12, at least that got out of the boat, right? Because of, no, no, no. This is, the, this is, this is how his... his self-confidence is uncovered. Jesus said, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. And when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus let him sink. No, that wasn't the lesson. The lesson was that Jesus is able to hold us. And so Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, holding me, Jesus. This is what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, so little is your faith. Why did you doubt me? Please notice what Jesus did not say to him. Jesus did not say, why did you doubt yourself? His self-confidence was revealed. That's why he began to sink, because he wasn't placing all of his trust upon the word, the one word Jesus spoke, which was come. On that infamous night when the tempter sought to press Peter through that sieve, Peter forgot the lessons of the past. 
that Jesus is able to keep us from falling. I got this statement. It's only six words. I want you to write it down because it is, it is so important. Listen to this. Forgetfulness is the enemy of faith. Forgetfulness is the enemy of faith. The Bible has a lot to say about remembering. The purpose of biblical remembering is to remind us that the God who acted then and there is the same God who will act here and now. He rescues us. And, and those of us who are able to draw from that experience, like a David who said, the lion and the bear, the Lord delivered me from, will also be delivered from this Philistines. Drawing back on our, our, our past lessons that God has taught us will empower us. There's so many times that God has rescued us. I believe eternity will probably reveal some of those times. We didn't even know about it. And I can't even tell you how many times God has rescued me. But when I was five years old, 1953, cars back in 1953 were made out of steel and metal. And, yeah. and, and I was crossing the street with my tricycle at about five years of age, and I got hit by a car. It knocked me into the, into the ground. My bicycle was, was, was totaled, and I didn't have a scratch on me. Not a scratch. How do you... How do you understand something like that, except that, that even before I knew God, he was holding me. He was preserving me. He was keeping me. Peter forgot who Jesus was. The Jesus did not let him sink to the ground, to the, to the bottom of the ocean. Self-confidence aids in spiritual amnesia, and it distorted his sensory perception. Peter forgot that Jesus is ever faithful. You know, the ability to do the impossible came to Peter in that moment because in that moment, he believed Jesus said, come. And Jesus is the one who is able to do that which is impossible through us because Peter understand that Jesus has a greater grip on you, boy, than you have on him. He holds us in the palm of his hand, and he said, none can pluck you out. None can, can rip you away from, from my purposes. You know, and th this is so important. I want you to really zero in on what I'm about to say because nothing so motivates us to live a godly life as the knowledge that I'm held by the everlasting arms of God. I'm held by this one who loves me so unconditionally, the one person in all of the universe who has the power to preserve me, to, to make me righteous, to make me his, his ability, not ours, sets us free. It's not our obedience, but rather it is his obedience that brings us right standing with God. Our motivation to purity, our motivation comes out of a grateful heart, freedom from the curse of the law because Christ became a curse for us. Undeserved and unearned mercy is not contingent upon how well I love, but rather how well I am loved. And I am loved infinitely by a gracious Savior. A grateful heart, remember this, is the best weapon against the tempter. A grateful heart that knows the pit from which we were rescued is the best resistance of temptation. Can you see that our greatest need is also our greatest blessing that we could look to God and say, holding me, Abba, holding me, Jesus. There's a tender scene in the, 
series, The, the Chosen. I, I hope you, you've tuned into that uh, series. Uh, they just came out with the episode seven, I think it's of season two. Great, love it. I love the Jesus that is being presented there. He's, he's funny. He's, he's not just funny. I mean, he's just so down to earth, the real human Jesus, as well as the divine son of God. But uh, there's this tender scene where a leper comes to Jesus. And, and I love the, the reaction, the way that the actors have, have presented the scene. They are absolutely shocked by what is about to take place. There's trepidation as they look on because there's a leper who says to Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And, and at that moment, you can just see that everybody's just tense because leprosy was highly contagious. And Jesus doesn't just simply wave his hand over the man. He puts his hands on the man, touches him. He probably shocked the man, probably hadn't been touched for years. He sh certainly shocked the disciples that were looking on in, in, in dread of what might happen to Jesus. But Jesus touched him and said, I will be clean. Back uh, in March and April of last year, uh, when I had COVID, my wife had COVID, we were separated for probably about six or more weeks. Uh, I, because I had COVID, I was alone in the house uh, most, of that, most of that time. Uh, my kids would come and visit, uh, but they would be like outside. We'd, we'd be in the backyard and at a good distance from each other, you know. And, uh, and I kind of felt like the leper, you know, because when the leper came into... A community, he would have to cry out, you know, that, that, that he was unclean. And I, I felt that, you know, that loneliness. Um, but when I was no longer COVID, uh, you know, positive or, or contagious, my son Anthony and Shannon came uh, to the home. And this time they came inside the house and they opened the door. And Shannon didn't hesitate for one moment. She threw her arms around me. And I got to tell you, it shocked me. In that moment, not having been touched by another human being for, for, for that number of weeks, it just, it just made me realize just how much we need a human touch. But how much more, how much more do we need the touch of God upon our lives? And I got to tell you that he has touched us way before we ever thought to even ask or dare to believe. He has laid hold of us like I was a, a five-year-old child. And those times in my life that he has preserved me. So I ask the question, who's got a hold on you? Who has a hold on you? If you've come to Christ Jesus, he has a greater grip on you than you have on him. And that's something to be really joyful about. If you have Jesus, then you have a Savior who has laid hold of you long before. Scripture says that he was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. It wasn't just something that happened in that first century. It was something that was planned by the predetermined counsel and foreknowledge of God. So here's what we've learned today. Jesus has a hold on us with a grip that cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. If you're here this morning and you want to be set free, this is a coming to Jesus moment because he's the only one who can set you free. And he loves with an endless love. 
He's faithful to preserve you to the very end if you will come to him and accept him as Savior. For those of you who are saved, just rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and none can pluck you out. His grip is greater. He will hold us fast. Amen? Amen. The greatest motivation for us to live a life of godliness is knowing that we're secure in him. He's paid it all. So if you're here this morning and, and, and maybe something I've said today has sparked a, a, a light in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. He's moving in your heart. Maybe you've never made that, that transition or that, that exchange that's taken place. You, you give Christ your sins. He takes his sins upon himself. He gives you his righteousness. That's the greatest exchange that could ever take place. And you do that simply by by letting your heart reach out to him as he puts faith in your heart. Even the faith that you, that you need to believe and trust in Jesus, that comes as a gift. And I pray, Jesus, that you would do that in this place today. And if you're here today and you want to pray, pray something like this. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Change me. Set me free. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray now for our congregation, Lord God, on this day of freedom that we celebrate. And, and, and I pray that every time somebody hears a firecracker go off or hears an explosion throughout the day, that we'll remember that the greatest celebration is yet to come when Jesus will set us free from the very presence of sin. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you.